Uh, I hear them talking in the streets, but they don't say the real. We really debating the industry and what the six of feel. Cold shoulders turn to open arms when you on for real. Ain't no strangers to the bricks. Now let's build something for real. It's too real. Real. It's too real. Yo, episode 23, It's Too Real, we back, we back for another week, man, I hope everybody's straight out there, you know what I mean, I hope everybody's good, you know what I mean, just here chilling, I'm not, I'm gonna keep it real short this week, you know what I mean, I mean, real short, real short, before we get into the interview, you know what I'm saying, but, um, fuck, you know, I just wanna say, before I drop this interview, anybody listening, man, I need, I need you to go to the iTunes, I mean, the podcast joint on on your phone, if you have an iPhone, and then you rate this joint, you put five stars on it. You know what I mean? Rate my podcast, put five stars on it. I need I need you, Sneaker Tree, to do that. I need you, Sicky, to do that. Swanson, I need you to do that. You know what I mean? Those ain't got an iPhone, put, like it on SoundCloud or something. And a lot of you guys don't understand is what I'm trying to tell you is that a lot of you complain about losing your data and this shit. You know what I mean? If you actually subscribe to it on, in the podcast section, you know what I mean? You can put your phone on airplane mode or just save it to your phone. It's not going to take your data out or whatever. That's the, whatever the case may be, how you go about it, you know what I mean? And you'll be all right. And you can hear it's a real podcast, you know what I mean? But I'm about to drop this episode. I, I'm definitely f- proud of this episode. I think this episode should motivate a lot of people, man, especially the artists, man. And You know what I mean? I just hope you guys know how much I actually root for you guys. I want you guys to do well. And everybody in the city, you know what I mean? Like, I love the city, you know what I mean? And I want the city to get as much exposure, as much light as as it needs to get, you know what I mean? So this interview right here, man, it's, it's a guy that I just... Yo, man, he's just he's just a real dope individual, you know what I mean? As as you listen, you'll get to hear his story and understand who he is. And I hope you guys take in his music, you know what I mean? I'm going to mention them in, in the interview, you know what I mean? The Calm and the Storm by John River. I hope you guys will get that. And a lot of you artists need to understand, like, it's it's a grind. It's a process, you know what I mean? And hopefully you hear from him, somebody who's in a position to actually do his damn thing. You know what I'm saying? So... Hopefully you guys can take what he's saying and and use it for your own careers, you know what I mean? And just in anything. You don't gotta just use it for music, anything. You I mean I hope we can just all motivate each other and be just be what be all we can be, you know what I'm saying, man. This life is short, let's get it popping, you know what I mean? So without further ado, I'm gonna drop the interview. No, before I before I drop the interview once again, yo, y'all go do that, man. Sneaker tree, I need you to do that. Swanson, I need you to do that. Saint, I need you to do that. Clover, I need you to do that. A lot of you people man. Drea, I need you to do that. Honestly, man, just rate my shit. Give me five stars. Let me get on the noteworthy shit. You know what I mean? Let me get some exposure, some light. Deepak, I need you to do that. Deepak Harry, I need you to do that, yo. So, yeah, you already know, man. It's Too Real, the podcast. If you want to be a guest on the show, you know what I mean? Hit me up on the email. It's Too Real, the podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's Too underscore real. Yeah, man, we here, and we're going to drop this interview, man. Listen and understand. God bless. We out. Yo, what's good, everybody? I got somebody here that I'm very proud to have on the show. You know what I mean? Somebody I came across his music, and I was like, yo, this this guy's going somewhere. You know what I mean? And his music has a message. It's very relatable, and, you know, he's I always like music that somebody can... um 
look from inside out, you know, and see why certain people do certain things and why people turn out the way they do, you know what I mean? And his music, he definitely always has something to say. So right now, without further ado, we got John River in the building. How are you, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, for sure, man. I met this guy just like last week. I actually saw him in person, been hearing his music, you know, and saw him in person and he was just humble as fuck, said he was gonna come on the show, and here we are, you know, so glad to have him here. Um, um, fuck, I don't know how where to start, but um, what was it like growing up in Saga? You been in Saga all your life, like? Yeah, um, I grew up here for fifteen years, and then I actually went to Europe. I lived yeah, in France, yeah, for, yeah, okay. And stuff, so you've been here? Yeah, but I've okay. been here, yeah. So what was your childhood like growing up in Mississauga? Um, honestly, it was good. Um, very suburban. Um, a little bit of black, a little bit of white. I feel like that is what Mississauga is from a color standpoint. Um, and uh, just a good balance of community, uh, close group of friends. Everybody kind of knows everybody a little bit, and and uh, and yeah, nothing extraordinarily problematic of note. Um, I never really wanted to move and go somewhere else. I think I've loved it here since I've been here. Yeah, yeah, you rep Saga hard, man. Dude. For sure. What's the role, about? What's the role? Like, is that like uh, is that the block? Like, is that nah, like, so the, the thing is, like, the role is just what we call Mississauga, so um, it's short for the Monroe Buildings, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it makes we, sense. We just, everybody just calls it the role, and, like, things have just kind of caught on. And that was kind of just our shit, too, just, you know what I mean? Um, we just... A couple of our friends just called it the row, and then, um, and then it just really caught on. Like yeah. really, really couldn't even have projected or predicted that things would have caught on like it did. But uh, but yeah, it's a thing. Now. Yeah, like it's in your vocab. Like I met you, you first you like row, 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 row. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like what <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's so. in the vocab. It's in the vocab. Now. I'm just keeping that out senselessly. Like I don't got any words in my any other words in my in my brain. Um, before we get to the music though, um, yeah, like you said, like. How, how like I want to know how good of a soccer player were you and like how how much dedication did you put into this because obviously like um, on some of your tracks you talk about how you went to Europe and you went to France and you talk about Juventus yeah like a lot of shit was happening so I want to know because my bro used to play soccer too you know what I mean he went through that whole like um, provincial route like something like I, I guess your coach something something happened somebody fucked you over I, one of the tracks you were saying oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so like yeah like just like alright I give you a little bit of soccer background so yeah no I was nice I was hella nice for anybody listening you can catch the work whenever uh, <laughs> but no I was I was I was good I was very good um, my brother was very very good as well um, mm-hmm. he was at he was on scholarship in Michigan actually and then he he came and joined me in, in France um, my dad actually was the president of the Toronto Soccer Association so okay I grew up in, in that setting. I grew up all around the sport. Um, spent all my summers um, at, at Eglinton Flats and Islington Field and, and, and just around the sport. Um, it's it's the family business, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I was playing, uh, I, I, it's called the SRSL, but that's the South Region Soccer League. That's when I was 12 or 11, I believe. And I was playing with Dixie, uh, actually. Yeah. And I remember uh, the year before, uh, I had scored five goals. Yeah. And the coach had told me at the time, you know what I mean? Um, at, at this rate, you know, we don't know if we're going to keep him. So that's kind of when my dad's academy had started. That's now his business. Yeah. Um, myself, my brother, and my cousin Kadeem, who, who's unfortunately passed yeah. away. But um, that's kind of when that started uh, every day. Um, every Saturday and Sunday, uh, two to three hours, uh, and we just got considerably better. And then I scored, I think, 
36 goals the next season in like 18 games and led the league in scoring and the regionals for Finches and I actually got cut yeah. from my team yeah. after I led the league in score because the coach had spoken to my dad and we had the regional and provincials coming up and he said you know your son's taking away too much attention for my child he really said that he like said that, that directly to him that was, I remember it was at Iceland you, that, like, he really played those type of politics like from that age now you know his son is the nicest like a nicest guy in the world and he's actually uh, he, he just whether he got signed or he was just at the MLS combine so you know what I mean I guess yo, no but that's yo that's I, that's I, literally bullshit bro that is the biggest piece of bullshit ever and I, and I almost quit that was the day I almost quit yeah yeah you said that yeah, yeah for like three to four months I was just I, I couldn't believe it and not only did he say that and I had to leave <laughs> and he cut me from the team but then he told all my teammates that I left the team oh man and yeah yeah so my parents were like they were not having it um, at that age too like I, that. that's really shady like, that is yeah. actually like just back breaking um, but Oakville uh, was uh, at that time was the best team in the country and uh, so I went over there and uh, the thing was though it was it's interesting microcosm of life I scored 36 goals that year they had a guy who had scored 41 in all competition they had a guy who scored 28 so they yeah. had their strikers yeah. already so if I wanted to play over there I was going to have to play a new position um, and that's when I started playing in the midfield okay. and uh and yeah, I spent a couple of years there, three years, um, really got my confidence back and stuff like that. Um, it was a big confidence shaker after getting cut. Nothing really works like that. Not only necessarily after getting cut, but after being phenomenal and getting cut, you know, exactly. you, you lose a lot. Um, but when I was 15, I went to the CSL, which is Canadian Soccer League. Um, it's men's league, actually. It was a, that, that's now called League One. And okay. it has uh, Sigma and everybody in there. Yeah. I was over there when I was 15, um, and uh, just really competitive extraordinary competitive 26 27 year olds and stuff like that and then um and then uh Zidane had actually come here on his Zidane Jesus, tour Jesus Christ that yeah. is like that is that is uh, for me yes. that's 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 the bar right there like, that is that's yeah. where the bar stops Zidane's definitely that's the best player that's to me best player. Yeah. so my dad had actually that was kind of like his life goal and or at least one of them and he ended up bringing out Zidane and Zidane on a tour along with a couple other players and uh, they did Toronto Montreal Vancouver and uh, I played in the game before uh, Zidane played and uh, that's when uh, one of the agents from France stopped this yeah and told me you know you should come over to France so when I went over there um, you start in the 6th division of France um, everybody wants to get to the 1st division of England so imagine starting the 6th division of yeah. France and you have to like a lot of racism. Um, you're living I could by imagine. Yourself. Yeah. yeah, you got to cook. You got to clean. There's no parents. Well, no um, what would you say? Um, ham, ham roll. What were you guys eating out there? Meatloaf rolls. Oh, meatloaf. <laughs> no, oh. you, no, you were saying. Hey, yo, meatloaf was the best days, eh? Oh my <laughs> god, meatloaf was the best. Yo, the the just, it was so poor. The situation was so poor over there that when you got bolognese sauce, like it had a little bit of meat in the yeah. pasta sauce. That was like that was like people would fight over that because yeah. like yo because it was you had a lot of amount of food. So was this like more like you know, like because I know like France has a a lot of ties with like nations like Morocco, Algeria. Yes. Was it a lot of people like that over there? Like no, well no. Essentially, what what I realized in France, and this honestly is very relevant, I think, to the Paris bombings. Um, when I went to France, I realized how segregated the country was. Um, there were three types of people in France. Evidently, there were the whites. There were the blacks who were all Africans, and there were the Algerians, and yeah. uh, and they were very, very, very separate. So the Algerians and the blacks um, found common ground 
at times the Algerians and the whites never found common ground and the Alger- and the, the whites blacks and the whites never found common ground yeah so the blacks that were over there they were all African um, and the you, if you saw black people they were either playing sport they were either an athlete or they were selling sunglasses on a beach um, and very very poor, poor yeah. Africans there's really slums over there for real right? it is yeah. so um, the thing is we lived in an extraordinary um, beautiful area in extraordinarily poor circumstances so um, like we lived maybe 10 minutes outside of maybe 20 minutes outside of Cannes where the Cannes Film Festival yeah. happens and, uh, and being that poor um, I mean we lived in like a room maybe this big um, three people in a room you have a stove top you have three beds like all it's, by it, each other you know sorry to cut you off is this yeah. before you get to like is this cause you're in league six or is this like is this just what the situation is like, it's just what the situation is you know and, and the situation in the league it all correlates yeah. so when you get over there you kind of go through like the back routes a little bit so you have like a, a handler and they deal with the representation of your parents so yeah. you know your parents may send like okay you're hungry, like, yo, we're hungry, we haven't got enough food out here. They may send, like, 100 euro. But um, these guys handle it. And you may only get 60. Yo. You know what I'm saying? Real life crap. Yeah, you may only get 60, yeah. And that's when they, like, there's, there's a lot of things. You just start learning about, like, bribery um, to, to win games, to lose games. That happens. You, you start learning about... Um, betting. Extraordinary, yeah, betting, extraordinary amount of racism. You, you understand that you're stock and... And that will, that will you just grow up a lot. So there's no parents. If you if you if you want to go see your friends, if you get homesick, um, if you're injured, go home. Um, go home because it's too competitive um, to any degree uh, to not have success. So you got to kill in Division Six. Yeah. And you got to kill with the under 17s who play in Division Five. And you got to kill with the under 19s. You got to kill with the under 21s. You just have to kill at every stop. Um, and when you first get there, nobody passes you the ball. A, because you're Canadian, uh, definitely pri- uh, primarily because you're black too. Jeez. You go in certain places, they won't serve you forever. And mind you, this is like coming out of grade 10 in Mississauga. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you never experienced, yeah, this is exactly, exactly. the same St. Louis. Racism ended when Martin Luther King yeah. got shot. Like, yeah. That's what they teach you, you know what I mean? You get over there, people spit on you, they have monkey, they, like, they, they make monkey sounds, yeah. bananas, like, even at because obviously yeah. I know what happens at the professional, but this is happening at the minors. This, happens, this is fucking crazy. It doesn't crazy. really happen on the field. The majority of the problem is off the field. Because on the field, like, is where you're best. You know what yeah. I mean? That's where you're the most confident. But off the field, um, the my, I speak fluent French as well. Yeah. Um, you I'm just picked that up? The, oh, okay, you picked yeah, it up. Yeah, so um, I understood more than anybody else that was there with me, which is also a lot more painful because yeah. you understand every time somebody calls you a nigger, um, every time a, a, an 11-year-old girl calls you a nigger, every time an 11-year-old boy calls you a nigger. So that depreciation of self is something that will happen very quickly if you're not... Extraordinarily mentally. Yeah, exactly. You gotta and know what's you gotta yeah. know what what you're there for. Exactly. So you could you could you could go home. Yeah. Um, but then how are you gonna go home and tell everybody yeah I left to France to go be that guy and then I came back because I couldn't deal with it. So, you know, obviously back at home nobody really understands the situation or what's going on. Like you go from like first world country to like second to third world environment. However, the only thing that can get you out of that is just absolutely playing extraordinary football um, or soccer. And, and that's exactly what started to happen. So my brother left uh, Michigan, and he came in January and joined me there. And when he got there, he said, yo, like, 
this is like nothing else I've ever Especially being on a scholarship in Michigan, right. you're getting everything taken and care you, of. Exactly, <laughs> and you coming out here. So that was just hella real. But, you know, you just got to ball out, ball out, ball out. Um, and then after that, I played well enough that the next year they took us to Italy. And that was a different situation. Um, now you have team me- uh, dinners. You have yeah. like, um, we played a whole bunch of teams, Lecce, Parma, Juventus, uh, and, and so on and so forth, Kievo, um, a lot of Serie A teams, and there's a guy named Raheem Edwards, he actually plays at TFC right now, um, so him, my brother, and myself, um, this was going into December, so in January, um, Kievo, uh, Juventus, um, and a couple other teams had all invited us on the uh, month trial, month yeah. half trial, um, at, uh, at their club, so... Um, at that time, though, I stayed here and decided that I was going to rap. So my brother went back to Juventus. Uh, Raheem went back to Juventus and, and the other clubs. Um, it wasn't the first big club I'd been at Bayern Munich when I was 14. I was at Rangers when I was 12. Um, just on, like, so would, yeah, trips and You, you could have been something. Like, like for this, with yeah. this soccer show, you could have definitely, if you were... Oh, yeah. I think I still can. You know, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. No, no, but no, 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 definitely. Uh, somebody else going to be like, you watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I wasn't... I wasn't injured or, or not able-bodied um i think that's what separates me and everybody else when it comes to rap mm-hmm. is because like you know when i hear certain music now you know i mean let's say like bryson taylor is extraordinary and yeah. let's give him as much credit as he's due the next 32 people that come after bryson taylor that sound exactly you like, like him bryson yeah taylor, exactly um just because they find that okay he's done something that's successful i can make a little bit of money mm-hmm. if i just try and make something just as close to that as possible yeah. do they love music maybe not do they really give a shit about um, the quality of music not do they give a fuck about what they're saying or what they're communicating not, no not no, at they all don't, yeah. but yo they see, they see and they see a financial opportunity yeah. and that's kind of how they come up so that's why for me in music it's like I didn't Get into rap so I could get money. Yeah, rich. exactly. No, this year you had a route. You really exactly. had everything. You know what I mean? Like I had like whatever. I'm looking at you like you're crazy right you know now. I mean? Like exactly. no, because before like as nice as you are as rap, like yeah, like you were literally in the thick of things. Like that, you were, like, that, you know, I was, I was, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, I was already at the promised land in another capacity. Yeah, because once like the yeah. way it is in Europe and the soccer shit, like once you hit 17, 18, you're in, you're you're, you're lit. Like you're blessed. So. I was already in that situation, but then my thing came to a couple of things. Like obviously, I didn't have not obviously, but I didn't have a European passport, mm-hmm. um, which means they send you to Switzerland or Luxembourg for like two years um, to get a European yeah, passport. Yeah, you got to come back to the same club that you tried out for. That's like a whole mess. On top of that, um, I realized I was never going to be the best in the world, and um, I remember I played a game. This under seventeen uh, Italian national. He played for the Italian national team. And we won, and I scored a goal that game, and I got an assist that game. We won 42, um, probably the best player in that game. Um, however, the guy beside me, I didn't even know his name, and I felt he was 10 times better than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that's just kind of the way Europe works. These guys have been in professional clubs since they're six, seven, eight, and 9. So you just, like, may I, could I have been the best? Who knows? But I think you get to a point where you realize... I'm never going to be the best in the world. If yeah. you reach that point in anything that you love, that shit will kill you. Um, and you start looking around at your life. Is there anything else that I can be the best and conquer in the that, world? Yeah. yeah, the best in the world. And rap was always uh, that thing that I still had the ceiling to be the best in the world. Um, 
And so, yeah, it was to me, it was a no-brainer. Um, I had to start at the bottom. I left the top of something to start at the bottom. Everybody thought I lost my mind. Um, but I bet you if I quit rap right now and went back to soccer, everybody would be like, ooh, Yeah, yo, you're dropped. tripping. Yeah, exactly. No, no, exactly. You're deaf. Honestly, man, that that's just... That's just a blessing to be yes. able to actually succeed in those two fields, those which are no, nah, it's nuts, man. So like, yeah. um, I read that basically you should do like motivational speaking and stuff like. So that's where you like you first started knowing that you could put words together and stuff, right? Well, I think yeah. Um, when I was younger, um, I, I I I guess I've been rapping for since I can remember. I saw a video of me when I was like eight or nine, and I was rapping. I was like, okay, cool. This is lit. Um, Flow ninety Flow ninety three point five was a huge influence just because like that's what we'd hear all the music and stuff. Um, I guess I was naturally inclined to to that. Um, we started off with beatboxing. My brother was always trying to teach me how to beatbox and beatboxing. And I started rapping and that became a thing. Um, in regards to speaking, yeah, I used to do speeches when I was like in grade four, mm-hmm. grade five, and grade six in French and English. And then I went to the regionals and I went to the provincials. And then um, you kind of get sanctioned into the national speech competitions and I'd give speeches on like Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and Nelson Mandela those were four and then child soldiers and and then slavery and then you know they they all seem to have a very common theme I remember when I was in grade three or grade four or was it grade three or grade four uh, could have been grade three or grade four. Um, we had a reading box. We used to have these reading boxes. We put these books in, mm-hmm. um, and like we, you could open it up, put your books in and stuff. So I remember, I was just like really, CBC Radio One was always on my house. People don't know how important that shit is. That is the most important thing ever. So f- like my parents always say, look in the car, you can listen to Flow, you can listen to whatever you want. Um, but in the house, we're gonna listen to the we're gonna listen to the news. Yeah. And so when I was young, like I mean eight nine, I I understand that there's all these insane things going on in the world, the Middle East, Syria, um, what's going on in America, Africa, like the the world, I'm starting to see the world from what it is just because Every time I'm at home, you're hearing the news. I'm hearing the news. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have to see it to a point where it's scary. You just you're just hearing the news and you're hearing that, so you're always aware. So I remember grade three. I think I took my reading box and I went to the principal's office and I was like, "We need to donate money to the Red Cross and we need a box to do it." She said, "Well, you know what? If you set it up, you can do it." And now when I think about that, that shit was hella whack. Like, yeah, you should have set that up. But anyway, I took my reading box out of my class and like we decorated and stuff and we put it in the office and that became the Red Cross box where kids could go and donate. Uh, we contacted a representative from the Red Cross and they'd come and pick up um, the money from our school every month. And that's how Springfield Public School started donating money to the Red Cross, which they still do now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so things like that, you kind of remember as you get older and you're just like, okay, cool. Like that's just, that just mattered. It always mattered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, uh, everything every, is crazy because when you get to this point in your life, Especially when you're rapping, you gotta start looking back at everything that led you to this point. What yeah. led me to these opinions? Like, how did I literally become the guy that I am now? Like, what? Yeah. Like, I look at other rappers. I look at other people. I'm like, why? How the hell was I built? Like, how was I made? Like, how was I structured to end up at 21 and, and, and have these opinions and stuff like that? So as you kind of look back, you remember everything. The you news, everything. Your, your parents were grooming you. And exactly. Like, yeah, bro. Honestly, I'm just just by talking to you, man. Like, I could just. Have you ever took like an IQ test or anything like that? Yo, I have, and I was super upset. I was like, yo, I want like it was like I took I took an IQ test when I was like maybe 
13 or 14. Yeah. And uh, and I was super mad. And everybody's like, why are you mad? Like, you did well. I'm like, I don't want to do well. I'm a genius. I know yeah. I'm a genius. Uh, it, was, it was super funny. Um, but I started to look up this thing called practical intelligence. Yeah. And uh, I always said to, like, my mom and stuff like that. And sometimes people who are around me, like, um, I would, they, they say, you know, like, you're the smartest person I've ever met in my life. And sometimes I feel, I know it's going to sound super cocky and conceited, but I, I'm just honest. Um, and I started to look at um, practical intelligence. And they said with IQ, there's there's an IQ test that we have, but then there's a practical intelligence test, which I haven't taken yet. But practical intelligence is kind of like, almost like real life. Yeah, you're like, well-rounded in a lot yeah, of things. No, nah, for sure. The, being able to put the picture together, because I think the problem with me, one of the biggest issues is the burden of like, massive amounts of feeling inner intelligence is it, it like i think it, it, it challenges you to do things that you might not do so for instance i'll give you a perfect example um i use this example let's say with girls and relationships yeah. right so i think the problem that i've always had is that i can always see like uh the mountain and I, that's the expression that i use and people that work with me use is that you know john can see the mountain which makes things a lot more difficult so let's say if you were climbing a flight of stairs, you know what I mean, and you saw like ten steps, you're like, all right, cool, let's get it, yeah. climb it. You mean, but yo, once you get to step number nine, you're like, hold up, that's it. There's four more steps. Yeah. All right, cool. So you climb four, three, four steps, and you think you're about to reach the platform. It's a platform. You get the platform. Like, all right, we made it. And then you look up, like, what? There's only thirteen more. Mm-hmm. And you climb the thirteen. That's what a lot of people's lives are like. Before you know it, they ended up climbing three hundred steps, mm-hmm. and they got to the pinnacle. You know what I mean? But they didn't see that they were going to have to climb 300 steps. Yeah. I think the problem with me is that from at the base, I tend You're to see... You're looking all the way to... Yeah. I can see all 300, mm-hmm. which makes it a lot more difficult to start. Uh, you're, not, you're not gradually taking it by a process. You're literally trying to just attack it one time. How right. am I gonna- and, and I can't help at the fact I can see 300. So for a lot of people, they can do things and like, oh yeah, I started. I didn't know it was going to be that difficult and blah, blah, blah. And then... Before you know it, I ended up there. The problem with me is yeah, that... Your ambition is just too... It's yeah. large. Yeah, not and for sure. It's like a vision of being able to be like, oh, there's 400 steps there. Yeah. Now, if, if everybody knew they were going to climb 400 steps, nobody would climb. Yeah. With me, I can see the 400 steps. The guy beside me might be able to only see like 10, but mm-hmm. I can see all 400, which makes it a lot more difficult for me to start that process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think just seeing the like further down the line... Um, changes the way you do a lot of things. That's probably why I don't make trap music right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no offense to anybody who does, you know what I mean, to each his own, but that's probably why I don't make trap music. That's probably why I haven't decided to, like, put out a R&B slash rap album yeah. at the moment. You know what I mean? Because as much as I would see the three steps of, like, okay, I can blow, this is going to be successful, yeah. I can't help but I can see three years down the line. You know what I mean? See, yeah, exactly why I want to say what I say because um, from what I'm taking in of your, like before we even get to all your music and all that, yeah. like how you approach, same way you said that, like you're not trying to make a trap single, you're not trying to like. I look at you as like my favorite rapper is J Cole, right? Mm-hmm. And I just see like how you approach your 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 um, your career, like you're going the you're going the route of basically building a fan base. You know what I mean? Your music actually touches people, so it's like. Gradually, it's just gonna happen for you. I, I don't know what you did, but like, I literally go and you have a following already. Like, and it, it, you have a really big following. You know what I mean? So it just shows that, like, yeah, you're putting in the groundwork already. You're not trying to just make that overnight success. You, yo, you're gonna have something that's really gonna be built for like a long time. Because yo, when I listen to the the calm, it's a storm. Like, I can see you reflecting on your life, and 
it's a lot of shit I can relate to, a lot of shit everybody here can relate to, you know what I mean? And that's what I like. I, I like music with substance, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what you got going on for you. Um, Who were your influences, like, growing up? Uh, Rap-wise? Yeah. Um, Lupe Fiasco was, like, everything for a long time. Um, the, the best one I was saying, my mom and I were just talking about this yesterday. I was more talking. She's like, can I go to bed now? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Lupe's great. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But now, Lupe Fiasco was, like, everything to me for a long time. He has this one line, which, like, is the line that premises my whole career. He's, like, it's on the Ignorance Share remix, and he's, like, friend, this ain't a pen, this a paintbrush, and I intend to rearrange how they paint us. And for me, that shit was, like, oh, my God. That was everything. Yeah. The moment I heard that, I was, like, yo, like, it's not a pen, it's a paintbrush, and he's trying to paint us. Yeah. And like, yo, that... And my brother's, like, shut up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just listen, I'm going to stop playing this if you keep talking. So... That, that was everything to me because um, Conflict Diamonds, he had that song, uh, he had a song called Conflict Diamonds where he talked about Africa and Sierra Leone and me, like mm-hmm. Mr. Red Cross. And I was like, I was like wow, like, he's talking about Africa and like, and like where diamonds come from and like, oh my God. So that, like, that, to me, that was everything. And then um, Lupe, Lupe was like the brain. Uh, he, was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a genius and, and he wasn't only a genius, he was, he was me, he was my guy. He was, he was a nerd. He, like, I, yeah. I, I, I read my mom read my brother and I the first Harry Potter and then my brother read maybe one or two maybe one started watching the movies I read all seven yeah. you know what I mean um, and even when I went to Europe um, I was there for I read 12 books in three months um, I was I was I was popular I, I played soccer but I was I was a nerd I, I read man, you're just an intelligent guy man. Like, you, man no honestly yeah. like a lot of people when they talk like they just bullshit like, everything you're saying like you're not just you know like no a lot of people just talk just for the sake of talking like yo you're literally saying shit it's coming out but everything's making sense like you know what I mean so everything's well opinionated man yeah so I read uh, I read a series of unfortunate events uh, with, uh, let me snick it let me snick that was amazing I didn't even watch the movie because I was so mad I was like how are you gonna make one movie for all three books and it was like yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. cares about it. I care like I care like you know what I mean so um, I think with with all of that, uh, when Lupe came out and he was talking about like, he, he didn't look like a gangster, and because I wasn't I wasn't a gangster, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He didn't look like a gangster. He didn't look like he wanted to shoot or kill anybody. Like I, I didn't want to shoot or kill anybody either. But he still wanted to change the world, like like kind of pa- Tupac did. Mm-hmm. And I love Tupac, and uh, and like I want like I wanted to be Tupac in a lot of senses, but. I mean, I, I didn't. I don't want to be violent in any extent. I thought violence. Dog life. Yeah, dog life <laughs> and a love life. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to be violent at all. And but I still want to change the world. So I was like, what what rapper can can I be? Like, Tupac you, was it was amazing. I was like my hero, but he was violent. I want. I didn't want to be violent. I didn't think anybody should be violent. I was like, let's all put the guns down. Like, if yeah. we could just get rid of guns, all the problems would go away. And Lupe came, and he was like, he looked like me a little bit. Um, he, he wore the same clothes that I wore, and he was still trying. He still knew as much, and, and he was trying to change the world. Um, and, and, and I was like, okay, it's my gosh. You yeah. know what I mean? And then as you get older, I went from Lupe straight to Cole. Yeah. And um, and and that was just that. You met J. Cole, right? I did meet J. Cole. Bro, yes. you, don't, you don't even understand. Yeah. <laughs> That's on my bucket list for life. Man, like, literally. Like, great guy. Like, greatest guy. Super tall. Um, yeah. What was that like, man? Because you see, you had a verse on that. It was a Hope City, too. Cause, yes. And you know what's actually funny? Because, like, when I listened to the story, um, calm. the calm, yes. like, I could really hear, like, the cold. Cole. Like, yeah, I could, like, yeah. and... 
as much as that's like you're not finding yourself, but because I could hear that as my favorite rapper, it's what kept me listening. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I definitely it made sense to me. You know what I mean? Obviously, that's who you were listening to, so you had to find yourself. Yeah. So, honestly, I look at it like sometimes people. Well, people ask me like, you know. Uh, well, you don't sound like J. Cole anymore. Like, so what do you sound like now? And like, you know, your first mixtape. I think about it, I was like, look, man, like you hear the majority of these rappers. First time I probably heard J. Cole, he was probably twenty one or twenty two. Yeah. First time I heard Kendrick Lamar, he was like twenty four. Mm-hmm. You mean when I dropped the comp, I put it out when I was younger 17. than them. Yeah, exactly. But the majority of stuff that I've written on that mixtape, it's when I was sixteen. I mean, so you heard Kendrick Lamar eight years later than the first time you heard. John River, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So for me, and even J Cole, when you listen to his old stuff, you hear he sounds like Eminem. Eminem, you know? yeah, exactly. Like Eminem, the therapist, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. And you hear the cannabis, you hear the therapist. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it's like everybody. You need a base. You need a base, mm-hmm. and and I came from sports, and that has so much to do with why I sound like how I sound because in sports, they show you the best. You watch hours and hours and hours of tape of the best, and then you try to be as close to them as possible. We only love Kobe because he's the closest thing to Jordan. So when people say, yeah, like, you know what I mean? That's how you feel. Let's let, oh, we yeah, we yeah, going to leave that for another day. You know what I mean? Kobe's the best ever to me. You know what I mean? Oh, I had a long period of time yeah. where I felt like, yo, Kobe could be the best ever as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and when people... Uh, love, talk even when people talk about LeBron, they compare them. We compare everybody yeah. to Mike. We that's the standard. That's the bar. That's the bar. So for me, when I came into rap and they're like, "Oh, you sound like J Cole," to honest to God, that's great. What, what was the problem with that? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, well, oh, you know, the best doctor in the world. If if you if you had a doctor and you're like, "Wow, he's pretty close to the best doctor in the world," you wouldn't be like, "That's like you know." That's a compliment. Yeah, that's a compliment. I wouldn't go to a doctor and he'd be like, you know what, you need blood pressure medication. And then I go to the next doctor, he's like, you know what, you need blood pressure. I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, you you biting, you yeah. biting. That's what the last doctor said. Come up with your own prescription. Yeah. He's like, all right, take aspirin. I die the next week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In this world, the standard is 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 quality. Mm-hmm. Um, we Nike, Adidas, they're quality. Yeah. We don't go to Adidas like, man, you your shoes are good just like Nike's. No, Makes exactly. a bad shoe. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work like that. So you know what I mean, um, but in rap apparently it does. You yeah. know, and that's what I had to learn very very early. But it was great because um, I, I was able to understand like how I wanted my what I wanted to be like, and then incorporate myself into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, so it's like having a base recipe and a base formula, and then you add in all your own ingredients, and then you gotta cook it. You gotta cook it. You gotta cook mm-hmm. it, and or bake it and bake it and bake it. Before you know it, you got a completely different cake. You know, yeah. you guys may have started with the same pan, um, but you got a different cake. But that pan will keep your guidelines, and that's why it's so important. I encourage a lot of rappers: don't try and be different. Uh-huh. And, and that's the best thing I could have done. You know, don't try. You don't want to try necessarily be the same, but don't try and be different. Whatever naturally comes to you, it'll at come time, to you. Yeah, it'll come to you. So the fact that at sixteen I didn't sound exactly like myself, honestly, is beautiful because if you if, for you to sound exactly like yourself, which which is kind of starting to happen now, you have to know exactly who, who you, are. you are. So if I knew exactly who I was at sixteen, 16 like that'd be fucked up a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? And I, and I hope I would. I wonder what the fuck I'd be talking about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's good to s- still have to follow people when you're sixteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and whether somebody said, you know what, you sound like Kendrick Lamar, and you fit mixtape, you sound like J Cole. I'm glad that at sixteen I wasn't 
going out and speaking to people without following older people. Yeah. I mean, I had to follow Kendrick. I had to follow Cole. I had to follow Big Crit because I didn't know enough at 16 to be speaking to anybody without following guidelines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or else it's just not, like, I'm just not a reputable source of information. So I followed Crit. I followed Kendrick. I followed Cole. I followed Drake. I followed, I followed, I followed. And then when you get to the point where they're like, I, okay, good, like, you know enough now mm-hmm. that you can start speaking to people solely off of your own experience then you could kind of find yourself a little bit you know what I mean so I, I I pity anybody who listened to a 16 year old for life advice yeah. without a parent almost so to speak they're co-signing um, slash looking over what they're saying and that's what those rappers kind of did for me they're like the, the, the guardian yeah. you know what I mean like alright cool alright this is a guideline you know what I mean stuff like that so that helped me a lot I think at that time and uh, and it's helped my transition now um, was it a calculated decision to actually name your mixtape The Calm then The Storm was going to come after was it yes so you knew like yeah, I'm just yeah. Gonna... so originally yeah I, there, was, there was like The Calm The Storm The Wake uh, and then um, The Rise and then Hope City that's how it was going to be originally okay. you know what I mean um, I figured I you know what I mean I might have to skip we might <laughs> when the world's going I might not have to drop five mixtapes yeah, before yeah, I drop yeah. an album you know what I mean but um, yeah that, that was kind of the whole thing the whole thing with The Calm and even with the cover was that um, the, the world was sleeping on me, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I was sleeping in the calm, kind of, you know, the world was sleeping on me. And in the storm, I felt like I, they were still kind of like shitting on me, kind of sitting on me, so mm-hmm. I'm sitting down. And, um, but yeah, definitely the calm and the storm. And then uh, it, it, it was essentially kind of like the city. Because to me, when I dropped the calm, I was that guy. Mm-hmm. I knew I was that guy. I yeah. already knew I was that guy. I was the future. I was going to be the best in the world when I dropped the calm. However, um, it's the same thing when newscasters would tell people, you need to leave New Orleans. This hurricane will ruin everything yeah. in your life. But people stayed. You know why? Because the storm wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. But if you knew that the calm was the storm, like if, if you listen to those news reports and they said, you need to evacuate New Orleans right now, even before you saw it, if you knew, you left. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who knew, like, listening to John River that like yo yo don't don't trip mm-hmm. don't worry the fact that the views the fact that the fans the fact that the accolades aren't here I still can tell he's that guy yeah. for them the calm was the storm yeah. you know what I mean but for everybody else the majority of people the calm was the calm there was no hype the, the storm wasn't there yet so even though you're trying to tell them honestly 99.9% of people they don't no, yeah exactly no for sure you know what happens the storm came the storm comes no, okay. uh. you know the storm comes Bro, like, I gotta ask, like, where did you, like, because even the, the intro, like, on the car mix it, like, the little girl, t- like, t- where'd you get all this shit from? Like, honestly, like, yeah, bro, uh, like, at such a young age, like, where did you decide, like, your first mixtape at 16, 17, it sounded like, like, how it was supposed to sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, it, I, I, I had no idea. Uh, at first, I was, I was just going through, uh, you know, the project a little bit, and, the project was done, and then when the project was done, I was like, I feel like we can add something, and uh, and I wanted to that nonviolent again. I felt like, yo, am I am I am I telling a story? Am I telling my story? Am I telling enough of my story? And then Kennedy, which is my best friend Mitchell's little sister, mm-hmm. um, I was staying at their house at the time. Actually, we had lost our house, and I just thought to myself, you know what? Uh, yeah, what if we, what if I told a story? Like, what if, what if I told more of a story? What if I actually wove it all together? Sorry, yeah, what if I actually wove it all together? And, and what if actually, you know, um, 
I was able to, to paint this picture um, and actually paint and, and, and kind of bring it all together. And then once that happened, oh my God, uh, the light went on and we, we started recording that and, and it was amazing. It, it changed everything. And we were going to continue the story to a deeper extent on the second mixtape. We still kept it. Uh, so we had some continuancy, but yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was really fantastic. Um, and uh, and yeah, so Kennedy's back a little bit in the second mixtape. We still mm-hmm. talk about her a little bit. Um, but yeah, she almost went from a fictional character, and now we're kind of bringing her into real life. Because yeah. this mixtape was non-fictional, but at the same time, Kennedy was still in the story. Mm-hmm. And then the last mixtape, the story was fictional, but... Kennedy was also in that story so that was also like the transition of Kennedy is like a big thing as well yeah um, and a consistent kind of factor in, in the projects and stuff um like you, you said you're going on a college tour right yeah oh, I don't like I don't know how, did you graduate high school I did not graduate high school. Does the college know this? Because like, yeah. there's a track, um, what is it, Matthew's song. Matthew's song. Like, that's one of my favorite songs on oh, the store. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think you're like... On oh, no, the backup plan, I'm telling people... Fuck, you're like, hell, say hell. If, if, if you didn't drop out of high school, if, if you dropped out of high school, say hell yeah. If you yeah. dropped out of college, say hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And for sure, you're giving a message that college students need, and you're definitely, like, your music is definitely something that people need to hear. But yeah. do are they aware? Like, I you, hey... Only God knows, man. When I I heard that, I was was like, when I thought about it, when you told me, I'm like, this guy has a line really saying, say hell yeah. 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 And yeah, we're going on a university, probably college tour. Crazy, right? Um, Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I I don't think they do. I don't think they listen that much. Uh, I guess they're going to find out that night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, that that is an interesting perspective. Super, super. That's actually hilarious. That's very funny. Yeah, they don't know. Uh, They don't know. Um, I hope they don't find out. Um, But yeah, I think that uh, I was, because, you know, when I went to Europe, actually, I was, I was a pretty, pretty good student, um, but uh, they could only send you with two courses per semester. So every semester that I was over there, I did two courses rather mm-hmm. than four, so I naturally fell behind. I remember I came back here and I started doing my courses and stuff, and I had like five left. And then I had a show in Atlanta, or I had to hand in the Great Gatsby by Monday for an online course. I was like, yo, mom, like, come on, yeah. Megan. She's like, right, you can chill. I was like, yo, come on, be like, what do you mean? And, and I hadn't gone back yet. Um, and I say yet, uh, but uh, I haven't gone back yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a big part of the mixtape too. You know what I mean? I just wanted to be like, I'm a big prerequisite guy, and I just want to make sure everybody looks at their prerequisites and, in in their life and what they want to do, and not go out and and necessarily feel that school is the end all be all. You know what I mean? And and a degree is the end all be all, and getting that standard education, excuse me, is an end all be all because it's look at your life. Look at what you want to do, and then look at what do I need to, to be it. able to do this. Mm-hmm. If that is a doctor, then yes, you need to go to for school sure. for seven years. Yeah. And then another, and I suggest you do, and whatever the case may be. However, if you decide, you know what, 
I'm not going to be happy in my life unless I'm rapping or I'm painting or I'm doing something that does not need four years of a twenty of a fifteen thousand um, dollar you know debt incurring process. Then then don't go to school. Mm-hmm. I I will tell you. I'll be the first one to tell you. If you don't need it and you can't afford, if you're going to even have to take OSAP ten thousand. Ten thousand. If you're gonna go forty thousand dollars in debt for something that is gonna be there that you know has absolutely nothing to do with what you want to do for the rest of your life, you might be better taking that forty thousand dollars and just putting it into your rack. Yeah, no, for you sure. You understand what I'm saying? So, um, raising that thought process and and also telling kids, yo, if you don't get the Pythagorean theorem and a us a plus b squared equals c squared, it's, it the world still exists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the world's not over. I mean, if you don't get that, like um, uh, that one, I did get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if we're talking about trigonometry and stuff like that, and like this shit just doesn't make sense to you. It's not, not applying to you're not what you. Stupid. Yeah. Then it's not for you. Yeah. I mean, it's not. You know, go find. Don't worry. Stop worrying about the shit that you don't understand, and start finding something that you do understand. Then find out how to make that a business. And if and if during that process you find out needing to make that a business means you gotta go back to school, then go. Yeah. But don't go to school until you find something that you need that requires an education. Yeah. Because then you're going to actually enjoy being in school. You're going to do 10 times better. Okay. If I'm in school knowing, like, yo, I need to get this for what I want to do, oh, my God, I'm going to be motivated. It's, I'm not going to be focusing on partying. I'm going to not waste anybody's money. I'm going to go to school. The job for the teacher is going to be easier. The job for my peers is going to be easier. The job for me is going to be easier. People fall, drop out of school because they don't want to be there because they don't know why, why the hell they're there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So go find context in your life. And if that context is like, you know what? All right, cool. I need school for this. Oh, my, you're going to go to school so excited. But yo, once this is done, I get to go back and do that shit that I love. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, colleges don't know. <laughs> so, so like, what's the tour? Like, how, how many schools are you going to? And right. What? So, right now, um, the tour is called the 14 Days of March Tour. And we have uh, the first, first date is in Carlton, um, March 2nd. So, that was kind of like for Carlton and Ottawa University. Um, March 3rd, we have Queens the next day um, in Kingston. Um, March 8th, we have Woloi in Waterloo, which is going to be like an absolute madness. Um, March 10th, we have UTM, which has Cartier, actually. And then the last okay. date is either going to be Brock, Western, and or. So those four dates are confirmed, and it's kind of just adding on the last date of the 14 days um, at Western or Brock or, West, or, or Windsor or wherever the case may be. Um, how did you... How did you get the support? Like, like, how did you? How, how are you doing so well? I, I feel like, honestly, because on this side of the board it's so hard. You know what I mean? So, I feel in the time period that you have that you've been doing your thing, I feel like you're ahead of you're ahead of time. Like, you still have enough time to actually get where you're going to the top of the mountain, mountain, as you would say. You know what I mean? I think you're definitely on course. Like, how did you do that? Because like the main basis of this show is like I try to we try to like give artists. You know what I mean? As much jewels as they can to basically like how to handle their careers, because a lot of people still are thinking about labels, you know, the stupid things like that, which is done. You know, those days are over. You know what I mean? And you actually have a movement. I could like I literally see it. Like, mm-hmm. like you say, you're going on a college tour. A lot of people can't do that. Like fourteen mm-hmm. day, fourteen times. Mm-hmm. How how are you doing that? Yeah, man. Um, honestly. Besides quality music, of thank course. You. No, no, I appreciate that. And yo, what you said was so important because you're like, you know what? You're on course right now. And that's exactly what it's all about, the rubric. And I call, like I always knew when I was in class, you know, the teacher would show you, this is, the, you know, you got that rubric with like a level one, level two, yeah. level three, level four. They always showed you what 
would get you an A, what would get you a B, what would get you a C, and what you would get you a mm-hmm. D. So what I did, like even for my first mixtape to come, I went through 132 critically acclaimed mixtapes. 77, 80, 87, 97, 107. 100, I sound like DJ Khaled. Yeah. 107. That's uh, what you went through. 107 uh, American critically acclaimed mixtapes and 10, 5, I want to say 15 critically acclaimed Canadian mixtapes. And I made um, a rubric out of all of them. I went through 122 mixtapes and I said, what do they all have in common? And I started to draw an outline. How many rapping hooks? How many singing hooks? How many self-produced? How many were produced by other people? Um, how many features? How many um, songs on each mixtape? What was the average length of each mixtape? Mm. After 102 critically acclaimed mixtapes, I was able to make a rubric of this is what a critically acclaimed mixtape has Contains. to have. This is, this is, yeah. Fuck, bro. Like, but bro, like, yo, you really, not nah, like, when I mean that, like, I'm trying to say, like, yo, like, I truly believe, yo, like, obviously, soccer, like, yo, rap, I feel, I'm just from, like, speaking to you, like, I feel like, yo, whatever it is you wanted to do, you. you would have been able to do it. Like, yeah, thank you. Like, the shit that you just, like, at that <laughs> age, that's fucked, what you, yeah. bro, like, it's kind of fucked, right? The dedication that you have is crazy, bro. Like, yeah. that, I know a lot of people say they love what they do, they, they rap and they love, but, they're not willing to put in that work, that you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and the everything I could say, like that rubric you cre- you created, yo, the project was so heavy set that it Thank makes you. it just shows that you really took the sense. time to research before the music. Yeah, you know what I mean? You actually did the, the, yo, that's crazy, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, I looked at I looked at like where artists were. I thought, and then like we had this thing on my wall. Like, my walls were all like written. I would write everything on my walls. It, it was it was ridiculous. It looked super crazy, but um, all around my room and and. We had this thing over how many songs were relatable. Um, I went through like, and then another ten uh, critically, like the top ten critically mm-hmm. acclaimed artists. And I was super early on the chance to rap away. If you were supposed to be on my first mixtape, we missed a flight to Chicago. It didn't happen. But um, well, we didn't miss it. It got canceled. But uh, that, I had Ten Day on there as well, which was like his first mixtape. And when it had just came out, we had a college dropout. We had a Lupe's project. We had Blue Below the Heavens, and we said, okay, how many songs on here were? were relatable how many were just special how many were like um how many were very ca- like uh, catchy with with phrases how much how many words were in each title like what like what exactly and it's insane these rappers probably don't even know but the amount of commonalities that their best projects all the amount of things their best projects all had in common there was a there's a rubric there there's an outline everybody did things a little differently mm-hmm. but they all had the base same formula if you rapped hooks more than you sung hooks they would call you more conscious so like if you like a Kendrick Lamar or J. Cole they yeah. would rap their own hooks mm-hmm. if you had features and other people come and sing on your hooks and stuff like that mainstream it made it be a little bit more mainstream like you know if you had um a Kanye West when he sung his own hooks and stuff like the that the melodies yeah and the melodies uh, because you could hear him singing the relatability went through the roof and yeah. you get more connected with him and they'd be bigger and I found and then Drake of course was singing all of his own hooks then yeah. were they rapping their own hooks or were they singing their own either way they were doing it so all of that was like that made the base for the calm so what I looked at too is where was this person at their second mixtape when did they blow up what mixtape did they blow up by and if you haven't reached this point by mixtape number one you're not allowed to release mixtape number two. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I that's what that's what kind of I came down to. If how much how many downloads did he have on his first mixtape? How many views? We went to datpiff.com. This is crazy, but for Raz Fresco, a Deep Pride, Drake, a Rich Kid, every single Toronto rapper, and we went to their mixtapes and I and I said, okay, how many views did they have on their mixtape? And then how many downloads did they have? And how many listens did they have? Mm-hmm. That showed their interaction. Well, yeah. and honest to God, the list was like. Drake was number one. Tory Lanez was number two. D Pride was number three. That the 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 order of biggest rapper in the country was actually just based off of uh, views divided by downloads mm-hmm. and divided by listens. It showed you how many people, how 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 core was their fan base. Yeah. Because you sure you went to there to you saw that could be Dat Piff, that could be um, World Star. You could have paid us mutton blocks for people to go there. Yeah. Sure, the views were there, but. What the percentage of exactly the downloads, those, yeah. the downloads were the fans those are people who yeah. listen to your shit every day yeah. and that's when I started to see okay Drake is the biggest rapper in the country Tory Lanez is the second Deep Pride is the third Raz Fresco was like the fifth or the sixth mm-hmm. and the fourth um, classified you could see it through the numbers yeah. they existed yeah. um, and, and that's what I looked for give me something of substance let me try and find something and uh, that shit really helped me that's why people were like yo your first mixtape came out your second mixtape came out so long after the first one because I hadn't reached the check marks that I needed yeah. to reach to you put out my that, second mixtape bro that yeah. just, cause you know that you, these people that are gonna download it you're gonna cater to them with this next mixtape and you know that yo, you already have this amount of people mm-hmm. and, and one thing people don't understand is like um, I'm reading that book Contagious you know yeah. so it's oh, like amazing, so you know he speaks on social currency so like if you have like 4,000 people that download your mixtape that word of mouth of those 4,000 people it's gonna travel and because the music is good they're gonna people are gonna wanna be the first to put, put somebody on to John River like yo you know and then from there bro like I just see it like I really see what you're Thank doing you. out here and, and, yeah. and, and it's crazy man I see exactly where you're going man like Thank shit's you. crazy um what did um uh, what what did Redway mean to you, man? Who's Redway to you? You know what I mean? Um, that's just uh, honest to God, it's the homie. Uh, you know, definitely uh, I'm, uh, like a mentor uh, to an extent. Um, you know what I mean? And just somebody who was from here and who was doing the exact same thing that I was doing. Um, for maybe like ten minutes down the road or ten minutes down Dundas. You know what I mean? And uh, at first, you know, we see it, and it was just like, what's up, what's up? And then uh, we had a good relationship with Tyler Ennis and his family and uh, CIA Bounce. And that's where we kind of got a lot closer. And that's somebody who, you know, we just, I'd start talking to, like, my career about, and he'd start talking about, you know, his career. And before you know it, we he just starts showing me a lot of shit that was just the game the inside of the game the mm-hmm. inside of the game I was very naive uh, I would say I would say naive in regards to people's personalities so I understood the numbers I understood the program I knew how to get from where I was I, like, I had everything planned out what he would show you is like alright this person doesn't fuck with this person if you ask that person for that he's gonna ask them. but mind you if he asks you for that you gotta give him this mm-hmm. and this person doesn't like this guy so yo the reason why you didn't get that blog posting is because you went to him but had I was like oh, had I gone to him first yeah my nigga thank you yeah like, yeah fuck like cause yo you can't talk to anybody else about it cause nobody gets like where the, the politics industry, nobody yeah. gets the politics so he was like 
he he had, and he was very outspoken, right? So he got the short end of the stick. He got he got the long end of the stick. Like he got he got a lot of the interior politics. And not only was he getting a lot of the interior politics, I was a lot more politically correct than he was. So he was like, yo, listen, mm-hmm. you're like people like you more than like me. I got tattoos. He's for real as fuck. Right? Yeah. He's like, yo, my nigga, I got tattoos. Blah blah. You could play this game perfectly. You just gotta understand, yo, this person, they're just not gonna fuck with you because I'm like, yo, but. Why would they not, considering that, like, I'm very logical and, like, I was mm-hmm. very, like, peaceful, you know what I mean? So I'd be on some shit. You'd be like, nigga, they don't give a fuck. They're, they're just, they don't want yeah, people, you. yeah, no, that, that's like, just, that, it's that a melting real, pot. The melting that, pot, exactly. yeah. So, and he gave me that real, and that real started to just, like, cultivate, like, that you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was always a savage to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd always, like, I, I would get it by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. He just would let you know, yo, my nigga, you got to bring it out here. You got to bring it out here. You don't need to necessarily bring it out here. Yo, if you don't bring it out here, they, these niggas will try you. You can't let the niggas try you, you know what I mean, the, mm-hmm. in, that, in that sense. And, and yo, these niggas won't fucking... I was like, I'm not worried about the people who don't see like, nah, you, you got... Just kind of those extraordinary, intangible yeah. interior things. And then it became more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. And then we had a situation with, you know, an artist to some degree. Um, and, you know, give him a call and he'd be like, yo... Blah blah blah. This is what the situation is. Case may be. I'm like, yo, why in the world would he be like, yo? It's because they're looking at it from this. They're not looking at it like you. They're not looking at it logically. You gotta understand that they see it that way. So the only way for you to get out of this like that, and you're just like, dope. And he's always, he was always a thousand percent honest, like extraordinarily honest. And he spoke about um, OVO. He spoke about. He spoke to me about things about OVO that um, nobody else would really care to touch on. He spoke mm-hmm. about. Um, things about Toronto rap that nobody else would care to touch on. He'd spoke about, he'd speak about America and the basis and going out there and and and, um, and we had many a conversations privately where uh, he would just show me like what it's been like to go through five years before me. Yeah, exactly, for so sure. It's like which is amazing. It's like mm-hmm. it's like somebody going. You know when you play a game on like Mario Kart and you go through the course and like you fuck up and then you know okay cool yo I can't go that quickly on this yeah. turn because. Like, that's exactly what it's like, except for I didn't have to fuck up the first time. Yeah. Because he, he already gave it again. And he was just like, yo, that you can't, if you don't put the brakes on that turn, you're going to crack. doesn't matter. I don't care if you think you can negotiate. It doesn't matter. You can't negotiate. And when you come to that point, you got to stop because that, it's, it was amazing. It was honestly yeah. extraordinary. So to lose that was like, uh, was, was ir- that's what makes it irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. I mean, because nobody else somebody's like well you might find no nobody else is going to be older than me from here um, and doing the exact same thing that I'm doing with the same like you know desire to like get it by any means necessary that can't be replaced nobody's gonna be like I'm gonna be born tomorrow that's gonna be five or three years ahead of you come from Saga doing their thing exactly it's not gonna happen that's it yeah I mean they wouldn't have been around back then so you know what I mean Um, so yeah he definitely just saved me a lot of uh, a lot a lot of mistakes um, because and, honestly yeah. when I listen to that Boulevard track mm-hmm. bro like yo I, that's why I just know like yo you're going somewhere like that track literally like you attack that track like I can't explain like bro that track was out of this world like I, I, that's I, that's one of my favorite tracks on the mixtape still and it just it, you went to like a it just yo you just went to a place where it's just like I don't know. It was just deep, real deep, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just showed, man. Because honestly, a lot of people don't know. Like, one, the, the first episode of, of this podcast is R.I.P. Redway. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. I never met him or nothing, but like, um, one of the, like, because I've always been a person that's like, I've, I love, like, I knew all the talent we have here. You know what I mean? I, I've been around the world. You know what I mean? I used to live in New Jersey, I just live in England. And like, there's no place like Toronto, Saga, Brampton, wherever you want to, you know what I mean, say, but like, 
when he died, like I've always known him to be a rapper. I've always seen him around, you know what I mean? So when he died and I seen all the love he was getting, like that's what really like woke me up. I'm like, holy, this guy's been out here putting all this work and all this time and you guys been seeing him and nobody decided to give him the recognition. But then when he passed, like just like Drake showing love got him on Rolling Stone, BT, all these channels. And like if he was here to see this, that just that one push would have took him to where he needed to be. You know what I mean? And that's what one of the reasons yeah. that made me just wake up and say, yo, yeah. all right, I gotta do whatever I can to also help these artists because yo, like, yo, we have so much talent here and it can be any circumstance, accident, getting shot, getting to jail, or anything. And a lot of people may have that talent wasted and so much resources and like Toronto's like you can do anything here you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and I just feel like yo it's, it's our time you know what I mean and it's time for us to step up and so what do you think the artists from here can do to like help their careers thrive and yeah. and like get like a message like cause maybe they can't hear from me but somebody like you that's already doing anything like explain to them that yo like there's an like you don't have to cross the border like Atlanta's smaller than here it is here in Toronto you know what I mean and, Look how many artists are eating. Obviously, granted, it's trap, but it's still money being made, and they're still finding a way to eat off of something that they love doing. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the same message we can get around here on this side of the border. Yeah. Um, number one is make a plan. Make a plan and then stick to your plan. Make a plan. Find out whether the plan is going to work or whether it's not going to work. Once you make a plan and you think the plan is going to work, you stick with your plan. Make a make a short term goal, short 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 short, short. and make a short term goal. Make a, a long term goal. Uh, oh my God! It's funny to say that. Make a short term goal. Let's get it. Make yeah. a long term goal. Let's get it. Um, and just like I fucked up just now, you're gonna fuck up. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, make a plan. Make your goals and and stick to it. And now everything in your career is going to either it's part of the plan or it's not part of the plan. It, that's how you know whether to take the opportunity. That's how you know whether to do the show or not. That's how you know when to drop your mixtape. That's how you know when to drop the single or not. Make your plan. Does it fit within your plan or not? If it doesn't fit, you don't need to do it. Don't worry about it. Don't watch nobody else. Don't watch John River. Don't watch Jazz Cardi. Don't look at these other guys like, yo, these guys are blowing up. Uh, I got it. No, no, no. Make your plan for yourself based off of your talent and your quality. If you Once you decide that plan is going to work, stick to the process. Stick to the plan. You know how many times I don't want it to change up? Oh, my God. Yo, let me just go through the hood. Let me just do a whole bunch of remixes and a whole bunch of hood rapper stuff. Let me just bless this song. Let me just, you know, get on this remix. You know what I mean? Let me just sign to Warner. Let me just sign to Universal. Let me just sign, which are all options that I had. You know what I mean? However, I thought to myself, and, and I, I was close. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super strong to, I'm like, oh, yo, I didn't consider it. Man, I woke up every day for three months, like, man, look around my crib. Look at this yeah. food up on this table. Like, oh, mom, today I'm about to just go sign, sign that deal. deal. Like, just, <laughs> just sign that deal. My nigga, you know what I mean? Looking at my gas light, yo, what the hell am I out here I trying just to do? Let me just sign this deal, my nigga. You know what I mean? Girl be like, yeah, like, let's go out for coffee. I'm like, mm, I just spent that money yeah. real quick. We can't go to Starbucks. I can get you that Tim Hortons. Let me yeah. sign this deal. Like, let me fix everything. But at the end of the day, so I have moments where I'm weak too. I'm hella weak. And yo, if you want to start the deal, go ahead. You know what I mean? But have your plan. Have your vision. And then I knew it was real when I got to the label. And they're like, all right, John, if you want to sign you, we'll make you the faith of the franchise. I said, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. Because 
I see my plan and I and I believe in it. And yo, if you don't believe in your plan, what the fuck are you, you doing, doing it for? What are you exactly. doing? Yeah, you know I mean, your plan might work, it might not, but you gotta stick to it. That's the only way you are gonna find out. So when opportunity comes, just look at your plan and be like, yo, does this fit within it? Choose a plan. Choose a rubric. I chose what my big crit. I looked at big crit. I looked at Kendrick Lamar. I looked at Schoolboy Q. I looked at J Rock. I looked at J Cole. I looked at Drake. I looked at uh, Blue. I looked at Lupe Fiasco. I looked at Nipsey Hustle. I looked at everybody. I said. When did they blow up? First mixtape. Yeah, second mixtape. Third mixtape. How many projects did they put out? How many songs did they have out before I heard about them? How many songs did they have out before they reached 100,000 views on every video? How many songs did they have out before they reached 40,000 views? I got to pace myself. I can't get to 40 songs released until I get to blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, well, why did your first mixtape come... uh, out and then you waited three years before your second mixtape because you didn't reach your numbers. I didn't reach my numbers and until I reach my numbers I chill the fuck out because I gotta stick to the plan and throughout those three years I wanted to drop the storm I wanted to drop music I wanted to drop I was gonna drop every day for three years yeah. but I had to wait I had to wait. I had to wait. I felt the pressure. I was like, man, I got to drop this. People going to forget about me. Yeah. Man, look at Sean Leon blowing up. Look at Jasper. Look at the flan with my homie. Look at all these Def- guys eating. That's another, that's a nigga I want to see you on the track with. Right? Derek yeah, Falata, yeah. you? Yeah, he, he's coming out, out, actually out to a couple days on tour. You that's know definitely I mean? somebody I want to see. Right. You, you two right here? Thank man, you, right? I, I have so much but faith. Jason, he's good. He's so good. And I'm like, look at all these guys, you know, like doing well and stuff like that. Man, I could just drop right now. Show these niggas what, but at the same time, I just thought to myself, did I reach the numbers? No, so just calm Stick down. Plan, and everybody tell you, John River, wow, wow, you're losing your buzz, John, wow, wow, you're not keeping up, wow, John, like everybody's dropping every week, why aren't you? Dro-? And you just gotta listen and be patient. And I finally hit my numbers, I dropped the storm, and that shit did so fucking well, and I was like. Wow. And people like, my nigga, you about to blow. And honestly, I had to wait three years. If you're not willing to put out a project and wait two and a half years to put out your next project, if you don't have that self-discipline, you can't survive in this industry. Because the reality for all artists, you set your pace. And let me tell you, the most important thing is setting your pace. This is what makes artists brand new. This is what makes artists old. Sometimes somebody said to me the other day, Yo, I feel like... Um, a certain artist who's like only 23 has been out forever. Yeah, because they've released 200 songs. Mm-hmm. Rick Ross is, was a new artist at 36 because you had only heard 12 songs. You're not as old. Like Mick Macklemore is a new artist at 31. It's not about how old you are. It's about how much music you have out. Yeah. If, you've, if we've heard 300 songs from you, what the fuck what is here? What else? You look at Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, they, they're just touching 200. Yeah. Drake is, is like, he doesn't release music that often. He might go on somebody else's remix, mm. but if you look at Drake's projects, he doesn't release music that often. He sets look at Nipsey. the pace. Nipsey Hustle. You don't even get it. I'm starving for, it, for the victory starving. lap. I'm so, bro, Nipsey Hustle made it way too long because I got so much <laughs> victory lap shit. Trust me. You know what I mean? But they, they set the pace. You determine how good your music is. You know what it's like? It's like fast food and cook food. If you go to a restaurant and, and like it's, it's expensive-ass restaurant, you don't expect the food to be ready in two minutes. Yeah. Everybody talks, oh, you know, I love getting food fast and shit, but we all talk shit about McDonald's and say it's not really food. So you got to let people know, am I serving you steak? Am I serving you that meal that you're going to talk about for the next five years and be like, mm-hmm. yo, we went to that restaurant, that lobster was crazy. 
You determine whether you're giving them lobster or whether you're giving them McDonald's. That's your choice. That's your choice. If you want to give them a Big Mac and whatever the case may be, and you want people, you Big Mac on oh God, but just understand, everybody's gonna look at your music and gonna be like, "Yo, that's shit." If I have the option of eating steak or having the Big Mac, I'm gonna eat steak. So when you drop the same time Drake drops, so when you drop the same time Big Mac, they don't fuck with you. You know why? Because you're McDonald's. Yeah, you're around all the time. But you're watered really down. Come, you're, you're watered down. So you got to decide. You, you, It's not up to anybody else. Of the fans think that. You, no, no, no. You let them know. You let them know what you think of your own music. If you think your music is amazing, wait. Let them take it in. Let them grow with it. If you think your music is shit, you're going to let me know because you're going to drop a song. The next week, you're going to drop another song. The next week, you're mm. going to drop another song. You're letting me know that, honestly, I should only listen to your work for a week. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Because once you drop new music, you're like, yo, that song was only good enough for you to listen to for a week. Yeah, it ain't holding you down no more. Yeah, For a week. Man. For a week, good kid, <laughs> Mad City, Kendrick Lamar, what, two years before Tibet? He said, yo, um, these 12 songs are so good, they can last you over 600 yeah. days. That's yeah. how good I am. For sure. And I'm like, aye, nigga, you right. And you mm. know what happens? I, I, I lie. If this isn't facts, I don't know what's facts. You listen to a mixtape, right? Cool. You listen to it for like a month and shit. Aye. <laughs> then you stop listening to it. If the artist hasn't put out any music, it's like eight months later, nine months later, you li- you start listening to that you, project. Same like, feeling. Yeah, same feeling. That, that second listen is crazy. Yeah. You come back to it nine months later, and you're like, "Yo, what Trust the me. hell? This is sick!" You like, pick up things you never even heard. You pick and, up yeah. things like, "Yo, that happens." Like, you gotta give people that time though. You gotta. They're gonna listen to your mixtape. Then you're gonna see eight months later. They're gonna be like, "Yo, let me just go listen up." Yo, yeah. this mixtape was amazing. They yeah. take it in. Take it in. Eight or nine months later, you gotta give them that second. That's listen. when you. That's when you determine it's a classic. Or not. That's when you determine. They come back to it on their iTunes like nine months later, and they listen to it like on a trip to like they're going on a sports trip, they're yeah. going on a bus, and they just catch it. And they're like, "Yo, this shit was actually amazing. Yeah. How did I not take no, it?" No, trust in? me. That's exactly everything you're saying is facts, it's right facts, there. Facts, man. You know what I mean? But give them that time. You can't. You can't put it out a month and then be like, oh, well, you know, and then and then put something else another five months. Let them come back to your shit. Let them tweet you and be like, yo, I just went back through your first mixtape. My nigga, like, you're sick. And that's when you're like, all right, cool. Salute. Yeah, do other shit in the meantime. But, yo, give them that time. Don't rush it. Give them that time. And you know what? Give yourself time to get better. Mm-hmm. You owe it to people. I can't release my second mixtape. If uh, what the fuck have I been doing if I'm not getting better? You're like yo, you, like, take your time and get better. Like it's the same thing with sports. When you're playing basketball, you're not getting better. When you're practicing, you're getting mm-hmm. better. You gotta practice. So like, go live life. Like, drop a mixtape. Go live life. Have life experiences. See the world differently. Like graduate your brain. Then grad- graduate. Get better. Come back and then be like. Okay, I am better than I was. If you drop a mixtape today and you drop a mixtape in five months, that means the moment you dropped your mixtape, you just kept rapping. And you kept rapping. And you kept rapping, which means you didn't get any better. You just released new music. When you release new music, it should be better than the last shit you dropped. It shouldn't just be new. It should be better. So you got to think to yourself, how are you going to get better? If you rap about life, go live. Go live life. Go date a girl. Go break up with a girl. Go fuck some bitches. Go, 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 go wear a condom. Go not wear a condom. Have a pregnancy scare. Mm. Go spend a whole bunch of money. Waste a whole bunch of money. Go live life 
learn new shit, come back to those people and be like, yo, look at what I learned from that first shit I was showing you. My first mixtape, I was like, I think I love Marissa and I'm only 17. My second mixtape was like, give a dick, don't date her. Yeah. I was like, what the? You know what I mean? And, my, and I bet you the next mixtape, I'll be like, all that give a dick, don't date her shit is immature. I've been the nigga since a bit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So obviously, I graduated from Hope City 1 to Hope City 2 to where I learned, like, what the fuck? This isn't what the game about. The game was about dicking down as many bitches as you can. And now, even since that, so now, You've grown. I'm like, I've grown and I'm like, yo, I gotta chill. Like, yeah. I can't be out in these streets like this. Like, yo, like, why don't I, like, what, what? I don't even care about girls anymore. Like, why am I happy? You know what I mean? So, yeah. I need to, I need to grow. Because if you grow, you're going to be showing kids, like, let people grow with you, fam. I mean, let them grow. Um, that's man. That's John River, man. I, you guys, listen, man. Just go listen to me as I speak right now. Go download the storm. Go download the calm. These are two mixtapes that I'm telling you that like, yo, f- amazing, amazing, amazing work, man. And this guy's repping the city right, repping Saga right. And yo, he's on the rise. I guarantee by next year this time, you gonna know his name. You know what I mean? And anything else he got to say? Thank you, no. I just want to thank you for having me. Thank you for your persistence as well, too. That's super amazing. Like, people got to get it. Ambition, you know what I mean? Um, for people who don't know, this nigga Emmanuel hit me up. I was like, yo, I'm going to meet you outside. Uh, ended up in the change room with Allen Iverson. Didn't meet him outside. <laughs> looking for his card. That's you know, he called me. I'm like, all right, perfect. I'm going to text you. Didn't text him. He texted me again. He's like, send me your email. Didn't send him the email. Called me today. Like, yo, we still having it? I'm like, yeah, we still here. Showed up half an hour late. We still have the podcast. That's the perseverance. You know what I mean? You got to get it. That, like, that's, that's the difference between the guy who gets the interview, honest to God, and the guy who doesn't get the interview. <laughs> You know what I mean? In my head, I want to do everything. The reality is, it like, and this guy, this guy, he can tell you, like, you, man, people, people call my, my, my mom, people call my brother, people call anybody's phone but mine to get in touch with me. But this nigga was hella persistent, and boom, he got it done. You know what I mean? He just got it done, and you know what I mean? And like now, there's an even more highly inclination to come back later, and to come back later. You understand what I'm saying? So thank you guys for having me. Thank you for the persistence. Perfect example of like, yo, just you, you just gotta get it. You got. Gotta get it by any means. God, by any means, it's gotta happen. You know what I mean? That's John River. It's too right. real. The podcast. Row, 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 row. Ah.